Women Taking the Lead, Episode 254. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I have something different and special for you today. I want to share with you a woman whom I've had the honor to get to know over the past couple of years, and she has warmed her way into my heart. I'm going to share the official version of her via her bio in a bit, but before that, I want you to experience her as I've experienced her. Last spring, Geraldine Carter and I did a Zoom call to connect as she was exploring hiring a coach in her business, and we both agreed the focus of the coaching she needed immediately was not in my wheelhouse, but we continued to be on each other's radar as we friended each other on Facebook and we were in a couple of groups together. Over the summer, I shared my mom's cancer diagnosis on this podcast and made a request to the community at large to send me any ideas you had for future episodes to take some of the creative work for the podcast off of my plate. And within days, I had this message on my phone. Hey, Jody, it's Geraldine. I am out for a walk. Wishing I could have you on Voxer so I could just send you this directly, but aware that Voxer is somewhat more personal and intimate. So I'm sending you a voicemail. And what do I think? I'm answering the call about your episode that I just listened to about your mom being diagnosed, diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. And, ooh, I'm sorry for that diagnosis. And um, just being present with it. It is what it is. And how... Are you, how are we going to show up for that? So what you asked for was any suggestions on episode ideas. And what comes to mind is I'm reading Tara Moore's Playing Big. So of course I want you to either talk about playing big, especially because I hear it in Marianne Williamson's quote at the end of every episode. Um, and Maybe it's just your take on it, or maybe you interview a few people who are at various places on the spectrum of playing big, right? Like some women have, I don't want to say arrived, but arrived at playing big and they play big. And other women have it really in them to play big. You see them on the cusp of it, but they're just not letting themselves yet. So what's that about? And then, or um, I may be exploring that for them. That would be, I think, an interesting coaching episode. And then there are the women who play small and, you know, are likely to play small all their lives and they're probably not your listeners. But there is that spectrum and I think it's always interesting to find people who are um, in various places on that spectrum of, of giving themselves permission to play big. Okay, topic B, two, topic two is something around, it just makes me think since the cancer diagnosis is, um, you know, front and center, is there a way to bring that, to overlap that with your podcast with an episode or two where maybe, you, I'm just going to toss out ideas here. 
So chuck them if you don't like them. Um, but is there like along the lines of playing big or women taking the lead? Can you find somebody who, or, you know, not can you find because that's extra energy, but like be open to a woman who crosses your path, who is a woman who takes the lead in the world of oncology. Maybe it's research. Maybe it's a nurse. Maybe, you know, like your sister-in-law is an oncology nurse. Um, you know, maybe interviewing somebody like that who has played big. And I would guess that, you know, oncology historically has been a man's world and that women have maybe not always been welcomed with open arms in that world. So I don't doubt that there might be some pretty interesting and really smart and wow women in that field. And so then after that, I think, um, what about interviewing a survivor of breast cancer. I think of a friend of mine who's our age, even a couple of years younger, and she had, I think, stage one or stage two breast cancer, maybe five, I think she just celebrated her five-year anniversary. So interviewing somebody like that to be like, okay, you know, what's it like on the other side five years looking back? And would that be of interest? You know, what, it, what has that experience taught us, taught you, and so on? Um, okay. I'm out of ideas. If I think of more, I will send them to you. You are doing awesome. You're amazing. I love, I so, I so, so, so love hearing your podcast episode when I'm out for a walk. And I loved this one. I always love the updates on burpees and I love that. I so love that you are so transparent about your money. It's just so important and so refreshing. So refreshing. Um, especially when you make $947 compared to your 6000 per month that you need. I mean, wow. I just, I love, you're so brave to just put that out there. And I think it does a huge service to the world, to us listeners, that you put it out there just like that. Just so raw and so, just the plain unvarnished truth. Um, and certainly it helps me specifically because I just had a $0 month. <laughs> Uh, compared to my $3,000 months that I'm supposed to be $4,000 months that I'm supposed to be having. Oh, look, there's an osprey in the nest. Cool. Sidetrack. Sorry, I'm back. Um, that is so cool. And what else was I going to say? And on the boyfriend, of course. Also, just like beautifully vulnerable. So keep up the great work. You are just, what you're doing is so amazing. And I love, 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 love it. And okay, I'm going to stop talking. Have a great day. But hold on, there's more. Okay, so my follow-up thought on the um, survivor thing was, you know, okay, I'd try, I'm trying to tread carefully here, but let me just not hold back and try and mince my words and everything, because then I just don't say anything. <laughs> um, so, so often we look, and what do I want to say about that? Let me just get that right. Um, this is, I can imagine, a, you know, a challenging, painful, scary diagnosis, and I want to honor that. And to then think about it in terms of your episode, um, I'm imagining that getting the diagnosis, you get the diagnosis, and I think what we do is just look forward and go, oh my God, the focus becomes getting through this, right? How do I survive? What are my chances? What's the outcome? Da, 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 da. And we only look at, um, we only look at that we, the focus becomes the cancer and the treatment itself and the, like, the ending of the cancer. And what I think might be interesting is to do the, to flip it around and look back on it and, um, and to do the, like in five years, looking back, 
you know, what will you see? What will you see about yourself? What will you have learned about yourself? That kind of thing in the same way that, you know, sometimes we probably ask our coaching clients, you know, when they're faced with a difficult decision, you know, when you're 80 and you look back at your life, what, what is it that you want to see included in your life or whatever, or how, you know, however you want to frame the going out a distance in time and then looking back on this experience. So that makes me think that's kind of where I was headed with that interview with survivor is get that perspective, you know, five years on 10 years on 20 years on. Um, my mom had cancer when I was like eight and yeah. So I, I won't share with you at the moment because you haven't asked for it you know, what she would say about that experience now. But, um, certainly my conversations with her about her having cancer have been super duper interesting. Um, obviously she's doing fine since it was so long ago. What else was I going to say? There was one other thing. Well, I'll just pause. And when I think of it, re-record. Oh, I know it was. So you haven't had this experience, but when you're pregnant, the focus is like obsessive on the birth everything focuses on birth, 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 you know, cesarean, what pain meds, what, you know, where do you want to have it at home in the hospital, midwife, doula, blah, blah, blah. and just like, just becomes like, there's just so much energy and focus put on the birth. And then, you know, three years after having had my first kid, I've learned that the birth is not the end of the road. It's the beginning of the road. And the experience like the birth is so minimal and nominal of an experience compared to what you're, what you're actually doing, what you're actually starting. So I like to think of it now, like, you know, when you're pregnant, you think of birth being the end of the journey, but in fact, birth is the beginning of the journey. And so that's, I kind of overlay that on top of a journey of diagnosis of cancer is like beating cancer. Is it the end of the journey or is it the beginning of the journey? So that's what I have. I hope that's helpful. I have no idea if it is. I'm, this is just like my random musings as I'm out here. And I was going to tell you that I'm along the river and there's a constructed platform for an osprey nest. And so there's this giant osprey nest up on top of this flat platform, like 100 feet in the air or 50 feet in the air. And every now and then you walk by and you see the osprey sticking their heads out over the edge of the nest. And it's really cool because they're really big birds. And it's fun to have them around. There, there's actually an osprey cam. <laughs> So that was that little tangent there. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you later. Bye. I can't explain to you in this moment how those messages made me feel the day I got them. They validated for me that I was going in the right direction, made me feel supported with what I was going through and was a direct response to a request I had. I... I can't explain it. There were, there was such a mix of emotions and such an appreciation for this woman. And then in October, so it was uh, October 1st, 2018, I get a Facebook message that says from Geraldine saying, I have a totally crazy weird idea for you. Maybe I should lead off with, hi, how are you? Because I don't know what headspace you're in. How are you doing? How is your mom? And this kicked off. A great exchange turned into a Zoom call, and Geraldine did have an awesome idea 
in inviting me to come onto her podcast, but to do it differently. I wasn't going to be an interview guest. I was going to get to be the interviewer of Geraldine as a way to really introduce herself to her audience so they could get to know her a little better. And it was so much fun. And I knew for sure I wanted to share this conversation with all of you because I know you are women. By the way, Geraldine's podcast is She Thinks Big. And I know you are the type of woman or man, you know, we, I know you men are listening. It's so good to have you here. You're the type of people that think big regardless of what's going on. You dream of big things. You dream of contributing in a big way and having a big impact on the world, even if what you're doing is day-to-day and very subtle. You want to make a ripple. So I knew this conversation would resonate with you. So without further ado, because I have made much ado at this point, I want to share with you that episode of She Thinks Big. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Jody Flynn, and I am from the Women Taking the Lead podcast. I am here to switch roles with Geraldine. Normally, she's in control, and this time, she's in the hot seat, and I am so excited about this, although I'm sure she's a little bit nervous. So everyone, send her some positive energy, because we're going to hear some great stuff from this woman. And Geraldine, before I ask you to introduce yourself, I want to share with everyone who you are for me. I first heard of you when you were interviewed in episode 36 of the Speaking Your Brand podcast by Carol Cox. Hi, Carol. Hey, Carol. And and I was blown away. The title of the episode is Creating a Business for Change with Geraldine Carter. And in it, you shared about Climate Ride, the multi-million dollar nonprofit. And I took this from the website. So this is in quotes that organize life-changing charitable biking and hiking events to raise awareness and support sustainability, active transportation, and environmental causes. Now, this was a global initiative, I I believe, because you went to other countries and drew in a lot of people. It was, it was, I listened to that episode and you know that experience of listening to women's stories and initiatives. And I thought, whoa, this woman is a badass. Like I so enjoyed that conversation. Now, that being said, you were also coached on the episode by Carol and got vulnerable about the challenges that you were facing, but it only solidified for me that you are the real deal, right? You've got it both. Like you're, you're a take charge, get it done kind of person, but you're not afraid to open up and be honest about what's going on. And for those listening, After you finish this episode, go watch Seth Godin's TED Talk on tribes, and you may just see a familiar face around minute 13, 29 seconds. Total badass. Okay. Now, Geraldine, we may have interacted a couple of times since that episode came out through Carol's Facebook group, but I was really blown away when in early April of this year, you reached out to me because you were one, you were going to be creating and launching a podcast and you wanted some guidance on that. And secondly, you wanted to identify the mindsets that were potentially holding you back in your business or really, not really 
holding your back because your business is going and it's thriving and it's doing its thing, but really keeping you from owning your full power and value as a coach. And three, oh, by the way, you were about to have your second child in the next month. <laughs> <laughs> A woman who's eight months pregnant getting on the phone with another coach who's like, I've got really big plans. Oh, by the way, <laughs> they may have to wait a little bit. <laughs> I can't reach my keyboard because my belly's in the way. Right. <laughs> or I think the way we started that call, you were like, I have to eat something and it's required. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you don't much. mind if I eat while we're on the phone. It's hilarious. And I was so honored you even considered me, though we both agreed the podcast was your first focus after you got back from maternity leave, and that's not my area of expertise. But it, we, we talked a couple times, awesome conversations, and was so excited to get to know you on a deeper level. Now, fast forward to last week, although we've been on each other's radar and you know we're connected on Facebook again and, and those sort of things, but... I got a message from you through Facebook, and I'm quoting this because I want everyone to hear it word for word. I have a totally crazy forward slash weird idea for you. Maybe I should lead off with, hi, how are you? Because I don't know what headspace you're in. How are you doing? How is your mom? (laughs) And this was the response I had. Exactly. While I was reading that, I chuckled and was laughing. I was so delighted. And when you shared your idea with me of doing this episode and allowing me to interview you, I was an immediate like, yes, exclamation point. Um, I believe we were talking at that point. I think I may have even cut you off from asking the full question because I saw where (laughs) you were going. And I was like, yes, yes, of course, let's do this. And I so want the world to know you better, not just because of all the big things you're up to, but because you're also willing to get vulnerable. And when someone gets to know you, you are absolutely delightful. And I think that's a pitfall of high performers, high achievers. They exude a lot of confidence, competence, and a let's get it done energy that people can misread them and think that's the totality of who they are when in fact they are multifaceted. And at the end of the day, they are human beings trying to make it in the world like everyone else and do some good along the way. So Geraldine, this is a snapshot of who you are for me. I would like for you to share with everyone more about you, your accomplishments, and how you see yourself. (laughs) God, don't make me do that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, wow. That That was quite an intro. I warned you. I sent Geraldine a message the other day. I'm like, I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I've got two and a half pages of your intro written. (laughs) And then followed by four pages of questions. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? (laughs) Okay. So who I am and what? Who you are, your accomplishments and how you see yourself. We don't have time to list out all my accomplishments, Jody. The big ones. Let's get some. Okay, just the big ones. (laughs) The big ones. The big ones. The big ones. Um, Who? Okay. Well, who I am? I mean, who I am? Like that's a hard question to answer. There's a there's a lot to who a person is. 
So who I am is a number of different things, right? Just like everybody. So I'm a coach and I coach women who have a business that is making the world a better place. I am a, and this is not an order of importance, by the way, I am a mother of two tiny ones, a spouse, although not legally. Um, I am also a mom to three cats. I'm a mountain biker and a skier and a runner. Although now I run pushing a stroller, so it's not <laughs> running fast, but who cares? <laughs> um, and yeah, those are, those are the big pieces right now. And there's not a lot of room for too much else when you have two littles. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you've accomplished in your life thus far? In my life so far? Mm-hmm. Um, the things that stand out to me are, um, um, I did, so I've run five marathons and it, I was hell bent on running Boston. It took me four to qualify. <laughs> I think I ran the third one I ran was Philly and I, um, ran in three fifty three, and I needed to run a three forty, and I was like, Nope, not good enough. So I'm going to go find an obscure flat race in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so I can qualify, which I did. And I ran in 338 and then I ran Boston in 336. And that was really fun. And, um, and that was when I was 22. <laughs> um, what else have I done? Um, so, okay. So yeah, we can't bury that. I did an Ironman when I was 26 and, um, my favorite travels are, I went to Everest base camp in 2006. That was really fun. And then I really enjoyed Nepal. So I went back and I hiked the Annapurna circuit and I went to Burma on my bicycle and I tried to get into China and the Chinese wouldn't let me in and the Burmese wouldn't let me out. So I rode across the top of Thailand to Laos. And then I thought I was going to Cambodia, but it was hot, flat and boring. So I turned around and went to Vietnam and then up into China from Vietnam and then back down to Laos and back to Thailand. And that was a really great trip. Um, what else? Oh, and I rode, um, I rode my bike from Puerto Montt in Chile down to um, like Coyhaique, which if you're not familiar with the area will mean nothing to you, but all along the Carretero Straw, which is this like very isolated dirt road in Patagonia. And, um, I then went down to, um, Southern Patagonia and I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well go to Antarctica. So I got on a Russian research vessel that in fairness had been converted to a, um, tourist, um, like a, like a tourist ship, um, and went to Antarctica. And that was really amazing. That was like a, a trip of a lifetime. That was really cool. And, um, what else have I, I've been to Bhutan twice. That was amazing. And I lived in New Zealand for six months. I lived in Guatemala for three months. Um, I have an engineering degree from a well-known university. Is that good? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I co-founded this company called Climate Ride. Um, A friend and I were like, why is there no fundraising bicycle event for environmental causes and for like active transportation and actually riding bikes? Because duh, like that's really one obvious way to reduce climate change and carbon pollution. And there wasn't one, and we were like, is this a good idea or not? But we we're like, well, let's try and see what happens. So we decided to put on an event from New York City to Washington, DC. And we we're like, can you even ride a bike from New York to DC? Like, can you even do that? Um, and it turns out you can, and the riding is gorgeous. And then at the end, we thought it would be great to have our riders meet with their members of Congress. So we organized meetings for all of our riders from like 
25 states for all their senators and reps, which is a monumental amount of work to set up all those meetings. But was really cool because it really helps um, people engage in the political process. And then, of course, we had senators and members of Congress come and speak to our riders in front of the Capitol. And and I had to introduce them or got to introduce them. And it was really kind of an out-of-body experience to be standing on the West Capitol lawn with a microphone in my hand and the Capitol behind me introducing senators. I was like, who am I? (laughs) (laughs) And now here's Senator Ben Cardin. I'm like, what? What? Who am I? What I really love about what you're saying is, one, you wanted to know when you met expectations, <laughs> and two, <laughs> did, did that meet your expectation? And two, after everything you did, there are still those small moments that make you go, oh my God, like, am I really doing this? Like, after all you had accomplished. And where I'd like to pivot is kind of based on all that, because you you and I were talking about, okay, we're both high performers, we're high achievers, but we've, we've traveled different roads in terms of experiences around um, the achievement of accomplishments and our mindsets and that sort of thing. Like my backstory is, oh my God, I was like, painfully shy when I was little, full of self-doubt. Like it was a journey of like teachers and people helping me build up my confidence and then small wins till the ball got rolling. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm awesome. I'm confident. I can totally do this. Whereas you're like, I don't remember a time when I wasn't doing stuff or it just always was there. So I'm curious. And I know like that's kind of your, your automatic response, but I want to see if we can maybe peel back some layers here to see maybe where it started. If it did, if it did have a starting point, you know, specifically, you know, where did you get the notion that you could not only think big, right? Because some of us don't even give ourselves permission to think big or the thought comes and we're immediately like, no, no, can't do that. You not only were able to think big, but you also believe that you actually had it in you that you could accomplish those big things. And I'm curious if it was, is it just how you're wired or were you nurtured that way? Did you just, were you surrounded by people who were just constantly supporting and and encouraging you along the way? Or do you believe there's just something in you, your mind is wired, you know, to think big and go after it? Probably some of both. Um, and just to go back to your earlier thing about like, is that enough now? I also have this like mental running thing about like, God, do I sound like a jackass? <laughs> Cause that's really the thing that runs in the back of my mind, but we can Am go Am I there. bragging? E- yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yes, but the word jackass comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to this question of, you know, how am I wired and was I nurtured that way? You know, I don't think I was necessarily overtly nurtured that way, but I do come from a long line of women adventurers in my family. So I think it was just sort of modeled that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom is from France. She moved to the U.S. when she was 25. Her mom um, and her mom's sister were, her mom's sister saw an ad in the paper in Marseille in like the 1902s or something. 
um, advertising a need for hat makers in the Pacific Islands. And she called up her sister or wrote her a letter probably and was like, Hey, do you want to go to the Pacific Islands with me? And my mom's mom, the sister was like, yeah, sure. So they got on a steamer and went to the Pacific Islands and lived there. And that's where my mom was born. And, um, and then on my dad's side, my mom, her, sorry, on my dad's side, his mom went all over the place as well. And that would have been like the 19 teens. And um, I think she was in Paris when Lindenberg or Hindenburg or whoever flew across the Atlantic for the first time. Um, so that, so the travel bug and the adventure bug definitely runs in the women in my family going back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that I was ever afraid of traveling and going out there. That's not something that's ever like, to me, that's not thinking big. That's just being curious about like, what is beyond the confines of my, you know, my little state and, um, Mm -hmm. and wanting to see what was out there. But then in terms of like the athletic stuff, I would say, I'm just curious to see what I can do. It's more about like, wow, other people are doing that. I wonder if I can do that, you know, and then you do like, a 10 K or a half marathon. You're like, okay, I did a half marathon. Like, I wonder if I can do a marathon. I mean, I didn't think I could do a marathon until I read that Oprah had done her first. And like, I don't know, remember when it was probably 1995 or six. And I was like, if Oprah could do it, maybe I could do it. <laughs> and then, you know, that happened. And I was like, I wonder if I could do an Ironman. And then I <laughs> got invited to swim across Cayuga Lake by the men's swim team. And I don't know how this happened. Um, I think my scuba instructor knew them and she's like, we're swimming across the lake today. It's a mile. You want to come? And I was like, "Mm, okay. So I tried it and I jumped in the water. And of course, like they immediately took off and I got halfway across the lake and I got scooped up by the (laughs) the rescue boat because I was too far behind. And, uh, and I was like, "Um, I don't know if I can swim two and a half miles, but maybe I can. I got scooped up after a half mile, but let's see what happens. So I think I have, if anything, just like a willing to try and screw up and you know, what's the worst that happens? Like you don't finish big deal. So I think I, you know, I'm good at making messes. It's really, I think if anything, I'm wired to just like make messes, screw up, try things, fall on my face and then pick up the pieces. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not the most elegant way of going about things, but that's what I do. But that's typically what happens. I think this notion of, Oh my God, they're so successful and they did it so perfectly to get there. It's like you're you're not even seeing a tenth of oh, yeah. the no, of no. the real story and what goes on behind the scenes. And I love how you answered this question because I read a book recently called The Talent Code, and I wish I could remember the author's name. Um, but the Talent Code is the name of the book. And they talked about, you know, how how is it that all of a sudden in small pockets, you know, geographically that all of a sudden you have all these people who are like ex like masters or experts at a certain thing, be it golf or violin or what have you. And it talked about the different things that are present, you know, when these things happen, when I think the author called them like hotbeds of talent. And one of the things that's present is, they the the group or or one person in the group like does it and then the others go well if they can do it i can do it or you see someone who is like you like something about them you identify with you see them become successful at a particular thing and again you have this picture of well they're like me 
if they can do it, I can do it. You know, so you have this family legacy that life is meant to be travel is a part of it. Like you travel and you explore and it's not anything special from your family background. It's just part of how you live life. A lot like you make turkey on Thanksgiving day. You know, when you're old enough, you go off on an adventure. Like this is just what you do. Another thing you said a lot was, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Like you're very curious about what you're capable of And that compounded with the fact that you're not afraid to make mistakes or look bad or look foolish. Like you have this wondering of like, could I do it? I think I could do it. At the very least, I can try. And then you just go for it. And and I think, you know, so there there is this very, like what you're pointing to is this very nature perspective of, you know, this, this can be taught you know, or introduce to people these, these thoughts, these, um, the, uh, the notion of what it takes to become someone who is more, um, more, a little more adventurous, a little more confident about it, or at the very least, not afraid to look bad. I think it's the not afraid part that speaks to me, right? Is that like, really, what's the worst that's going to happen? I certainly don't want people to be like me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, don't come over here because there's a hot mess happening behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it may look like one thing, but trust me. You can follow me on Facebook, but you can't come into my living room because then you'll know what a mess I am. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really want all of this. <laughs> but you can you can do without the fear part. And that's the part that I think, um, empower, that's the part that empowers me in some way is that in particular, it makes me think of the times that I was out on my bike by myself and so many people would come up to me being like, oh my God, aren't you afraid that da-da-da-da-da? And they would list out all these fears. And I'm like, no, none of those things ever happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like the worst that happens is you get a flat tire in the rain and you stand there in the cold and cars splash you with, you know, gritty water and it really sucks and it's miserable, but it doesn't last that long and you change your flat tire and you keep going but like you don't get eaten by bears and you know, you don't get scooped up by random crazy people. Like those things don't happen. And um, I mean, tragedies do actually happen. I should, you know, they do on occasion happen, but they're far more the exception than the rule. And what I experienced was so much, so much joy and so many wonderful experiences being out on the road by myself that the, the good, I mean, the incredibleness so much out, so far outweighed any bad things that happened that I was like, I see people holding them back and missing out on amazing things because they're scared of fictional monsters. And that's what I really want to get to for people is like, there are not monsters out there in the world that are going to eat you because you make a mistake in your business. But sometimes we behave as if there are and we hold ourselves back. And I see a lot of women holding themselves back from doing the things that I totally know they're capable of and they know they're capable of, but somehow they've got like little, you know, purple dragons nipping at their heels and they freeze. And mm-hmm. I want them to stop doing that. Yeah. The fear of failure, the fail- fear of success and the fear of looking bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and self-included, right? Like I can raise my yeah. hand to all those things. Yeah. Yeah, the common ones. It's so funny. It reminds me of the statistic that you're more likely to die 
getting hit by lightning than to die in an airplane crash. But how many people are so afraid to fly or avoid flying because they're afraid they're going to be in a plane crash when the, it's not to say it doesn't happen, but the odds of it are so rare. Like, why are you letting this hold you back? Yes. Yeah. So crazy. Okay. It's crazy, but it's real. Like for the person experience it, the perception feels real. They just have to get to a place where they realize it's just a perception or it's just a belief. Sure. Yeah. The feelings are very real, but the risk is perhaps outside, outsized compared to the likelihood. Yes. Okay. Let's take a break from all of that awesomeness. So I can truly thank and appreciate the sponsor that makes this episode possible. ButcherBox delivers healthy, 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and exciting news, ButcherBox now has wild Alaskan salmon. ButcherBox sources their pure, sustainably harvested salmon from Bristol Bay, Alaska. It is unlike any salmon you'll find in your local stores. Literally, its red color means that this salmon is as fresh and nutrient-rich as it gets. Their website is easy to navigate to order the combination of meats that are perfect for you and your family, and you can trust that the meats are a high-quality, healthy protein, free of antibiotics and hormones. Your order is delivered right to your door on dry ice, keeping everything fresh, and there is free shipping in the continental U.S., For $20 off your first box and two pounds of free salmon, go to butcherbox.com forward slash lead and enter lead, L-E-A-D, as the promo code. Again, for $20 off your first box and two pounds of free salmon, go to butcherbox.com forward slash lead and enter lead as the promotional code. Okay, let's get back to the interview with Geraldine. And Geraldine, what are some of the things that you've learned, you know, from, you know, your travel adventures as well as your physical adventures? And, you know, you can even add to the mix some business adventures because we didn't even talk about the fact that you also started a business, started that, well, you talked about Climate Ride, but you started a coaching business and you launched a podcast too. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Um, what have I learned? Um, well, I've learned that, um, I've learned that in Burma, I've learned that not all bike tubes are made the same. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you go to Burma, you have to bring a different kind because the valve is wider than the hole in your rim. And that is a problem. And I had to drill a wider hole in my rim to accommodate their tubes. (laughs) And I got a lot of flat tires in Burma. That was a pain. What else have I learned um, that is perhaps of more value to both of our listeners? Um, God, you know, that chasing your big dreams is, there are moments where it feels painful. I haven't figured out yet how to get past the pain of woefully screwing up. I can get past the pain of like the little screw ups don't bother me. I'm used to kind of screwing up. And I mean, that's kind of, it's how I learn is to just screw up and try this and it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Um, But I still, there are, but there are still times where when it's really challenging, it can still be really painful and I can still get caught in that. 
Okay. Give me, let's bring this down to ground level. What, give me an example of when you have willfully screwed up. Um, I don't know if this one qualifies as woefully, but I spent, I made a purchase in my business not that long ago that was a 90% waste of money. And it was way more money than I should have spent or had. <laughs> okay. Let's make a distinction here because people probably caught it. I, I thought I heard you say willfully screw up. You said woefully screw up. Woefully. Woefully. W-O-E. Okay. Yes. I thought you were talking about self-sabotage at first. I was like, what is that? What does oh, that look like? Well, okay, I do so, that too. <laughs> so this is the times where, you know, like the screw ups are described as you run and hit the wall. Like you're yeah. running so hard. Yes. Right into Smack. a wall. Yes. <laughs> and you fall down into a puddle like Bugs Bunny style, right? Right. And so what you just just described for us is what I can imagine was you going into that decision. You were kind of like rolling the dice. You didn't really have the money. It was a big investment, but nobody makes that kind of decision unless they think, okay, this is going to pay off in the end. Like this is a big investment, but it's going to pay off. You made the big investment and it did not pay off. And in retrospect, you went, whoa, what was I thinking? So here's the thing. And here's what makes it painful is that I knew that I knew in my gut, I knew in my being down to my bones that I should not spend this money. So you woefully and willfully well, made I, this mistake. Yeah, yes, except for I ignored, I ignored my voice. I, I, was, yeah. I got stuck in people pleasing and I got stuck in hurry, hurry, hurry. And yeah. I just, I like, I ignored the voice in my head that was telling me, don't do this, don't do this, slow it down, slow it down, do your homework, like, vet this, you know, vet this program, get some testimonials or some references, do your background checks. Like I, I ignored it Mm -hmm. probably because I was like a month away from giving birth. And I was like, I've got to get this done. Like if it doesn't happen now, I'm not doing it for six months or a year. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the painful part was that like, once again, I, um, I didn't listen to my, to my own knowledge. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the pain, I think the painful part is that like, or I'm angry at myself because I quote unquote knew better, except for I didn't know better. Cause if I'd known better, I wouldn't have done it. Right. So like in, in my higher self, I can objectively look at it and be like, well, it's just one more time. And it's just one more lesson and life gives you lessons and it'll keep giving you the same lesson until you learn it. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was the time that I learned it. Maybe not. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see when the next one comes out. I, what you're describing for in my world sounds like when I'm experiencing FOMO and people pleasing, I can understand the people pleasing part too. It's like, it's like, oh my God, this deal's going to go away or this opportunity is going to go away. If I don't do it right now and that, and and it's something I learn over and over again, but I've gotten better at it when I take a step back and realize like it will come again. It will. Because opportunities come again. That's the yeah. way the world works. And in my business, I really had to learn that lesson fast because when I was first starting my business, I didn't know a lot about business. So I was on every webinar, seminar, teleclass, like researching, Googling and all this stuff. And it finally got to a point where I was like, I'm spending most of my time just researching, researching, researching. And it's conflicting with like actually doing something that will make me money. Yeah. And I need to just accept that if I can't make this webinar because I'm going to a networking lunch, well, this webinar or whatever it offers will come around again. 
And I, and I can't live of like fearing that I'm going to miss an opportunity all the time. Yes. No, you cannot live. You can't live in fear and you can't, like you say, live in fear of missing opportunities because there are opportunities in front of us all the time. And then I would even add to that, like as an entrepreneur, that if anything, they're almost, it's not that there are too many, but I think one of our practices is to get good at saying no, because I see so many of my clients saying yes to too many things and they're running in too many directions and kind of running ragged and kicking up a lot of dust and not making a lot of forward movement on the things that matter most. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to name drop another book, Essentialism by Greg Mm -hmm. McEwen. Uh, It's about saying no. I, I think his tagline is something like saying no to the meaningless many. So you can yes. say yes to the important few. Exactly. Right? Really focus and double down on yes. the things that are most important to you and say no to everything else. Yeah. But it's, it takes a process to set up those boundaries. <laughs> yes. And um, to second your book, Less is More by, or no, Work Less, Make More by Jennifer White is also really good. Um, and so often the, the things that we need to be saying yes to are the hard and scary and maybe intimidating things, right? Like going to networking events Mm -hmm. can be really difficult if you're new, if you're new in business, if you're new in town, if you're new to the social circles. And yet that's exactly where you need to be to make the connections that will grow your business. At least the first few, typically. Yeah. Like you, you, you gotta go history, to one or two. Yeah, you've got yes, exactly. And if you have a history of being shy and that touches your shy buttons, like boy oh boy, I can see how you'd rather hang out at home and watch a webinar. Right. And just so everyone feels better, because I bet there's a lot of people nodding their head right now. Like, yes, I don't like those events. Like I'm a pretty confident person and I'm an extrovert. And sometimes I go to those events and I'm like, Oh, I don't want I know. Well, <laughs> I don't want to do this and like, oh, I'm going to have to go up and talk to people that I don't know and introduce myself. And it's so awkward at all. So I don't think there's, there's any level where somebody goes like, I love social networking (laughs) events. I love the mixers. Can't get enough of them. So if you're out there and you know, you need to do it and it's not that fun for you and you beat yourself up about it, stop because you are, you are in good company, my friend. Yes. Yes. All right. So Jefferson, I know I'm very aware that I have developed my coaching system first and foremost for myself. (laughs) You know, there's this, the expression, we teach what we need to learn. Um, But I'd go one step further and say, or rather, we teach what we need to be reminded of. Um, I have a coach friend who introduced me to the phrase, new level, new devil. Meaning when you break, (laughs) isn't that great? So easy to remember. New level, new devil. Meaning when you break through obstacles and you achieve new levels of consciousness, performance, success, right? You get that certificate, that degree or whatever it is, you know, you, you have, you gain those things, which is really awesome, but waiting there to greet you at that next level are the new obstacles that you have to overcome if you want to continue to grow and to evolve. So what obstacles are you faced with right now? The biggest one is being seen. Being seen and owning 
owning my strengths and really showing up 100% in what I do really well. Put all that together and that's like scary as pie. Okay, that all tied together. Okay, so you, first you said being seen, owning, owning your strengths. What was the third thing? Showing up 100% in my power. It's like your Marianne Williamson quote at the end of your podcast, right? It's like, who are you to not let your light shine or whatever? Yeah. It's like that. It's like sometimes it feels a little scary to be shine all my light. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got more light to shine. And I think that I didn't hold it back. I'm like, am I too bright for you guys? Yeah. I blind you. <laughs> Which is really funny because, you know, people, when I, you know, explain to them about my, my clients, like my typical clients who you and I are both like my typical clients, um, they're, they're kind of baffled when I say, oh, I work with, you know, high performers, high achievers who, you know, are filled with self-doubt and are are perfectionists and they're trying to show everybody that they're good enough and worthy and all of this stuff. And they were like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like the women and, and some of the women who hire me, like they've done amazing things in the world already. So people think they're cured, right? They're all set. They're yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> when the reality is, is these women and, and you and I, we accomplish big things just because we accomplish big things. Like we're, we're capable of it. We do it. We, we feel compelled. There's a drive. We want to help others. We want to serve, you know, all of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that we're not a mess on the inside as well. Um, and how, what are, so, you know, going back to kind of the, um, the lead into this, what does your system contain your coaching system? Um, that you're constantly or consistently applying to yourself um, and sharing with your clients that, you know, are helping you get through this stuff and help them in their own development. The most common thing is moving fear out of the way for myself and for my clients. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to see it when my clients are doing it. Yes. Because it's, you know, objectively, you're like, wait, this makes no sense. Help me, uh, help me square this circle here. That's why we teach it. So right. then we can go, oh, I should apply that to myself. Exactly. That was really good coaching. I just gave right there. <laughs> right. Like, how about if I, how about if I coached myself in the way I just coached her, then what would happen? <laughs> mm-hmm. How about if I stretched her or how about if I stretched myself in the way I just stretched her, right? Like, how about if I called myself forward? in the way I just called her for it. And how about if I dropped my own bullshit in the same way that I just asked her to drop hers? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I love how you got right to the heart of the matter talking about moving fear out of the way, because you probably hear this from your clients as well. I love this, this quote, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> yes. How many of us, raise your hands, nobody's looking, but we feel it. How many, raise your hand right now if you know what to do to be successful, but you're just not doing it. <laughs> I have not emailed my subscriber list in a year. <laughs> right. 
right? And so this is interesting because I would say there's something you're afraid of. And when I say you, I mean the the general you, not just you, Geraldine, but we can come back to you specifically. There's something you're afraid of if, if you're not doing whatever that thing is, because whatever that thing is, is probably not that big of a deal. It's It's the thought behind doing it like either the doing of it or the consequence of the doing of the action. So for you, sending out the newsletter hasn't gone out in a year. What's going on there? Um, the usual stuff, right? Like, I don't have anything to say. What if they think I'm stupid? I don't know what to write. I can't think of anything. I hate the formatting inside MailChimp. Blah, blah, <laughs> you know, just story, right? <laughs> I love it. And what would you tell a client of yours if that's what they brought to the table in one of their coaching sessions? I probably wouldn't quite say it this way, but I'd be like, would you shut up? (laughs) Send me a rough draft by Friday. (laughs) Really what I would say is um, to my clients, I would say, "Give give me a terrible first draft by tomorrow morning. Right? Like, let's just get past this. Let's just get past this fear. Like it's not real. I mean, the fear is real, but the consequences that you've made up in your mind are not going to happen. So like, let's just move past it as fast as we can. Get me a terrible draft by tomorrow morning and then we'll make it better from there and you'll be able to send it out by Friday. Yeah. The first thing you said was what you would say to yourself because we're always way meaner to ourselves (laughs) and way more direct and unforgiving to ourselves than we are to ourselves and especially to our clients who I know you and I, we both have tons of space and love for, but at the same time, it looks like a little bit of tough love. Like, okay, like I'm I'm looking for a draft tomorrow. You can do this. (laughs) Yes. You, I mean- yeah, you can do it. It's really not that hard. Let's make this happen. I love that. Anything else? Anything else in in your system um, that helps your clients get to that place? Um, well, let me ask you ask it this way. We're all eager to be where you are, right? In terms of like playing full out, thinking big, overcoming those fears, um, thinking big, playing big all at the same time. So the first, you know, I first want to go back to like, how, how do you get somebody there? Well, I'd say it's a bumpy road, right? And it's not usually an overnight thing, but it's, it's questions around how do you create confidence in yourself? And most people are confident in themselves in some ways, in some parts of their lives. So they know what confidence feels like. So how do you take that confidence and map it over to where you are now where you're not feeling so much confidence? Mm. And then once you can learn how to do that, how can you make that neural pathway more of the default habitual pathway mm-hmm. rather than, and have that replace the sort of um, the current habitual neural pathway, which is one of fear and self-doubt in whatever current situation you're in that you're not so where you're not where you're not believing in yourself so much so sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's less easy it it's super simple but that doesn't mean it's easy and I think that can be one place where people get tripped up right is like just because it's easy I mean sorry 
just because it's simple doesn't mean that it'll be easy and it'll take some practice and you are going to, you know, you are going to fall down and you'll have to pick yourself back up. And that's part of the process. And remembering that like, there's joy to the learning process because sometimes people get into resistance about the process itself. So then how can you flip that neural pathway to be like from like, uh, this is so hard learning this new neural pathway to like, oh, this is really fun. This new neural pathway. I'm enjoying learning this new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that experience mm-hmm. for your clients is huge. It's huge. Cause like if somebody's trying this on their own, it probably is going to feel like a slog. Yes. You know, just oh, I gotta redo it, it redo it, redo it. i this for six months. How long is this going to take me? Change my thoughts. When am I going to be there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. So having somebody who can kind of hold your hand through the process and also show you how like this can be fun. Like we're going to do it this way. So it is enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. And describe for us, okay, living life. I'm thinking big playing big, living life full out. Describe for us the experience of living on that side of things. What's it going to be like when we get there? I feel like I have to add a precursor here. I have like multiple trains of thought in my head. (laughs) And one of them is like, (laughs) like, I don't exist in this space all the time, right? So yes, I exist in this space some of the time, but I'm also, you know, picking myself up by my own knickers and getting myself into this space. And I, you know, I don't certainly have the corner on the market of this either, right? Like I'm just like everybody else. And then at the same time, I have this other line of thought that's invoking Tara Moore playing big and be like, why are you diminishing yourself? (laughs) Well, let me make a distinction for everybody and for you here too, why this is happening. It's because you have the toolbox to get yourself there right? We're all human beings. We're all going about our journey, but you have cracked the code on how to flip the switch to some extent, like remove the fear, get over it, you know, do the thing. You're able, you're better able, I should say, to than most of us to be able to flip that switch and, and suddenly have this experience of it's possible and I'm going to do it. And then you get in that mode. It's not to say you don't also kind of snap out of it, you know, on occasion. And then we have our self-doubts or we have to rest or that sort of thing. But because of the journey you've had, you know how to put yourself back in that space more quickly than the rest of us. It's sort of like having brown hair. You don't know what it's like to have blonde hair. But I'm just going to take you at face value. I'm like, I do? Really? Mm -hmm. I would say from an outsider looking in, yes. And I've had that experience before too, where when I, you know, public speaking, which is like the big, one of the biggest fears on the planet. There are times when I'm public speaking, when I, I, I'm never more fully alive, never more joyful. Like feeling confident, like I'm in my zone. This is, and I have this thought of this is who I am. And then I get off the stage and I'm shaking and I'm sweating and I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) what just just happened? Like, and people were like, you were amazing. And I was like, did somebody record that? Because 
like I'm not there anymore, right? Now I'm having a different experience. Now I'm Jody off the stage and I'm back in my life and I'm hungry and I need to get a snack and you know I have emails I have to return and there's a project that's behind deadline and da 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 right? So we can snap in and out of these moments But before I do public speaking, I also have some rituals and some practices that build me up so I can like walk up or stand up and boom, I am on and I'm having that experience. And it's very real for me. It's not fake. It's a real full bodied experience. And I see you do this with certain, certain projects you take on where like, I can see that you're like, and when you talk about it, you're fully alive. You're there. Okay. So now I forgot the question. (laughs) (laughs) I want the women who are listening to your podcast, right? Because any, anyone who gets attracted to the title, she thinks big, wants to be inspired, right? And here are the stories of women who who are thinking big, playing big, but they want to be inspired. You, and I heard this, this before, and it rang so true for me that you can only be inspired by something that is already within you. And Mm. inspiration is merely the experience of that which is already in you coming to life. So if something inspires you, like like it's the spirit within you that has suddenly come to life. So women who are listening to your podcast, they want to be inspired to think big and play big, but they want to know like, what is life going to look like on the other side? So inspire them as to what life can look like when you get there, when you're playing full out. Cause it's scary to think about that. It, yes. So, okay. So what it comes to mind, like the vision that I have so often is I feel like I'm standing on a giant tray of jello. <laughs> it really feels wobbly. Like I'm out like I'm not quite on firm ground. I'm out somewhere that feels unfamiliar, kind of shaky, new, unknown. And I also trust it. Like I trust that it can support me. Like if you could actually stand on a giant tray of jello and it would support you, it does, life supports you in that way. It won't let you fail catastrophically. And and I guess by catastrophically, I mean death, I suppose. You know, nothing really, it's very unlikely that anything really, really terrible is going to happen. And, but yet inhabiting that space where you haven't been somewhere before and it is unfamiliar and it is unknown, uh, maybe it's biological somehow, you know, that we're just wired evolutionarily to like not go beyond the savannah that we know or something. And so it just, it, So I recognize that feeling. I know that I'm there when I feel that feeling, when I feel that sort of like wobbly knee, feel like I'm standing on jello. That's the place that I need to be. It is not comfortable, but I'm okay with it. And sometimes I can even befriend that feeling and be like, oh, hey, wobbly jello feeling. (laughs) Right on. I don't love it, but I'm psyched because that means I'm in the right place. I I love that you said that. No, that... That is perfect. No, because I think there's this notion that, okay, if I'm living life full out and I'm playing full out and I'm thinking big and all this stuff, it's because I'm confident and I have it all together and I figured it out and I've cracked the code and da, da, da. And that's not true. It's not that. No, it's not that feeling. It's not, it's definitely not a belief of like, I have it all together. It's more like, it's because that sounds 
that's like this pendulum swinging all the way the other way to the sort of egoic side of like, I can, I'm the master and I've got it all handled and it's all fine. It's like, no, that's just ego as well. The, the place I want to be is, is, um, oh, Tara Moore talks about the two kinds of fear. And one of them is just being in awe, like in humble awe of what's possible. Um, but back to more back to what you were saying. Um, no, cause what you're describing is being in the flow. Yeah. Right. When you're in the flow, you're not really certain of anything. You're just along for the ride. You're just in it. And I think more than anything, it's just trusting your ability to handle what comes up. Yes. Yes. Okay. You and I had a conversation last week where we were talking about how a lot of people have this thought like, okay, once I build up the confidence, then I'll do it. But you and I have both learned confidence comes after you do it. Yes. Before that, you're not quite sure. Yes. Right. You think maybe possibly I'm feeling like I'm going to try it. Like what's the worst that can happen? That's the thought and the feeling going into it. It's afterwards that you are like, I got this. Okay. I can do that. Now I feel better about it. But the confidence you build isn't confidence that the outcome is going to be what you expect it to be. It's that you can handle whatever comes at you. That's the confidence that you're looking for. Not that it'll be perfect, not that you won't make a mistake, but that whatever comes at you, you can handle it. Yeah. And it's, it's that, and I liken it to skiing in terms of confidence, because like you can't think your way into confidence when you're skiing, you can't study it. You can't read about it in books. You can't look up at the mountain and be like, okay, I'm going to be confident. You know, like the only way that you become a confident skier is by skiing and maybe getting some lessons. And then by challenging yourself to ski things that are a little bit harder than maybe you should be skiing. And that's how you get better. And then the more you do that, the better you're able to handle whatever conditions come at you. And you're like, Oop, there's a little tree there. I shouldn't turn there. You know, and you're like, the, the more you become confident by doing it and you can't buy it. You can't get there by studying it. You can't get there by being cerebral. You can't get there by wishing you get there by doing it and by sometimes falling on your face and getting back up and doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like riding a bicycle. You can't learn, you you can't learn balance by hearing about it or reading about it. It has to be experienced. It has to be experienced. And I think that's the thing that sometimes people get afraid of is the experience, but that's the only way. (laughs) Right. You just have to, but the willingness like the, like to not be afraid of making mistakes or looking bad. Like yes. when you can let go of the ego yes. needing to look good and like you have it all to get right. Our perfectionists, God yes. knows I love you. God knows I'm one of you, you yes. know, but like it takes letting that go and allowing like mess ups and failures mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Okay. So Geraldine, we're, we're coming near the end now. So what I'm really curious about now, now that we've got your background story, we kind of know like what your thinking is along, you know, thinking big and playing big. What are your hopes for this podcast? So if I go really big, oh my God, it kind of freaks me out. Um, if I go really big, I want the podcast to be known to I don't know, millions of women around the world who use it as a tool to help themselves develop, grow, gain confidence, trust themselves, 
become the full powerful woman that they are fully capable of being so that they can then do whatever it is that they were put on this planet to do. I have visions of that sometimes too. You just got me all lit up. Like (laughs) what would the world look like if we suddenly started doing the things we know yeah. What to do, right? right? The whole, like, I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it. What would the world look like if we just started doing those things that we already know we would bring us success if we did them or brought us happiness or more peace or better relationships, more money, like whatever it is you're looking for. Like, and you've talked about this earlier too, your inner guidance system will take you there. You know, if you listen to it. Okay. <laughs> So Geraldine, what are some of the baby steps that, okay, someone's listening to this right now and they're like, I'm in, I want to, like, I've been playing it safe, right? I know there's more for me out there. I know I'm meant for more. I know my life is meant to be bigger. What are some of the baby steps she can take to, to start moving in that direction? Becoming aware of your own internal dialogue, what it's telling you that isn't serving you becoming aware of how that makes you feel so that you can recognize it in the moment and what choices that makes you choose so that you can also recognize those in the moment so that you can learn how to get out of that habitual pathway and learn how to get into the productive pathway that you know you're capable of being in. Is that too? um, No, I think, you know, off the ground. (laughs) it is actually the perfect first step is just to be aware of your own inner dialogue you know what are you saying to yourself maybe journal write those things down or talk or if you're an introvert I say journal it if you're an extrovert talk it through with a friend I think that is a great first step because that that does start to show you where the work is yes yep and so many of us are capable of so much more than we realize. And that dialogue will show you, will begin to becoming aware of that dialogue or increasing your awareness of that dialogue will illuminate the areas where you might be holding yourself back. Yeah. And burning your energy Mm -hmm. needlessly. Needlessly. And robbing us of your brilliance. I know. We want to know what you're up to and who you are and what you, how you're going to change the world. Love that. And Geraldine, if they are looking to connect with you or work with you, where can they find you? My website is the best place to go for that. Go to shethinksbigpodcast.com and click on the work with me tab. And you can also find me and all the other amazing big thinkers in our Facebook group by searching She Thinks Big on Facebook. Awesome. Geraldine, thank you so much for inviting me to be the person who got, who got to grill you on <laughs> who you are and what you're up to in the world. It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm honored um, to be in front of your community. Thank you all of you for listening in. I hope you got tremendous value and realize what a tremendous woman Geraldine is. What a great leader to this community. So thank you. And thank you, Jody. This has been a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that you were up for this ridiculous and weird idea. For those of you who are new to Jody, you have to check her out. Her podcast is Women Taking the Lead, and you can find her in her Facebook group as well. 
Thank you so much, Jody, for doing this. Geraldine, my honor. That was so much fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And please connect with Geraldine. You can find her at shethinksbigpodcast.com. And she's also in the Facebook group. You can, if you're in that group, you can connect with her there. And as always, 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 I hope this was of value to you. And here's to your success. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.